0: You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete.
1: How do you keep things from becoming idols when you score the touchdown give the glory to God when you write the song the song that becomes a hit make sure it glorifies God and then give glory to God for the song when you become successful in business make sure you give the glory to God because it's he that gives you the ability to produce wealth.
0: So often, it's easy to look at that new car you want to save up for. Perhaps you enjoy watching your favorite fantasy football player each week. And maybe there's a celebrity that you mimic in how you dress or even speak. But what is the level of priority that that person or object has in your life? Is it possible that that thing or person has become an idol for you? In today's teaching, Pastor Danny emphasizes the importance of not allowing any thing or person become greater than God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 14, as he continues his message, avoiding idolatry.
1: Listen, if the apostle John could succumb to worshiping something, someone other than God, who are we? Most of the time, recorded in the scriptures and history, people worship bad things. Now, what John did was bad, but isn't it interesting? It was a good angel. You can have a good experience. Watch out. Something from God. Be careful. But the Israelites, time and time and time and time again, they worship four main gods throughout their wilderness wanderings, throughout their history. Let me give them to you. Baal. I call him the god of seduction. It's not the only thing he lured people into, but he especially lured people into sexual sin. Now, you can fall to sexual sin just because of our own fallen nature, but Baal, he will come and he will give you extra oomph, temptation to seduce you. That's what happened to the Israelites, Numbers chapter 25. The Moabite women came out and Next thing you know, these guys are in bed with the Moabite women. Baal, I call him the god of seduction. Then there was Molech. Molech, he's the god of pleasure. Years ago, I was hearing a message, and uh, a guy was talking about the god Molech, and he called him the letter god. The letter god. NHL, NFL, NBA, etc. Whatever your passion is. Your pastime that, you know, you're just really, really into. The God of pleasure. And then there's mammon. I don't know if you knew this, but mammon, the God of greed. And Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells us very clearly that greed is idolatry. Mammon, the God of greed. And then there's one more. And these are not all the gods uh, and history and that the Israelites worship, but these are four of the main ones. Ashtoreth. She's the goddess of love or romance. Someone called her the soap opera god. And time and time again, you find the Israelites worshiping Baal, Molech, Mammon, Astaroth. Why would they do such a thing? Well, again... Look where we started. John. How easy it is to worship even a good being that God created and yet not intended to be worshiped because there's only one to be worshiped, and that's God. I love what Louis Giglio says in his book, The Air I Breathe, about worship. He starts out right at the get go. You, my friend are a worshiper. There, I said it, every day, all day long, in every place you worship, it's what you do. It's who you are. So if by chance you have only a few seconds to glance at this book, that's what it's all about. We're all worshipers, created to bring pleasure and honor to the God who made us. You may not consider yourself a worshiping kind of person, but you cannot help but worship something. It's what you were made to do. Should you for some reason choose not to give God what He desires... You worship anyway, simply exchanging the creator for something he has created. Think of it this way. Worship is simply about value. The simplest definition I can give is this. Worship is our response to what we value most. Whatever is worth most to you, you guessed it, is what you worship. He goes on to say, and we're not just talking about the religious crowd, the Christian the churchgoer among us. We're talking about everybody on planet earth, a multitude of souls proclaiming with every breath what is worthy of their affection, their attention, their allegiance. Everybody has an altar and every altar has a throne. I put on here a statement that Louis Giglio gave that I memorized. I want to keep it in my brain. And I'll go back just before I read it. An idol is any person or thing that contends with God for my time, energy, affection, and money. Here's what Louis Giglio says. Follow the trail of your time, energy, affections, and money, and there you find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is the object of your worship. I'm going to ask you to go take a peek with me in 2 Kings. You can find in the Old Testament, 2 Kings, one of those times when Israel had been overtaken by a foreign power, this time the Assyrians, and what was common is a foreign power would come in, deport some of the Israelites to their land, import some of their people to Israel, and that's what happened here. The king of Assyria did this, and look at what happens. Chapter 17 of 2 Kings, you go down to verse 33. They worship the Lord, but they also serve their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. We try to do that today. We say, oh, yeah, I worship the Lord, but then we also have our own idols according to the customs of the nations, the world. And it's so easy to do. And it's such a daily challenge not to allow any idols in my life. God made it pretty clear. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. You shall have no other gods before me. And before you think God is selfish, Listen to the whole message. You should have no other gods before me. Another way to describe an idol, it's a deity, it's an icon, it's a hero. Star. Four people became gods in my life when I was very young. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Mainly for me. Ringo, I love drums. I'm a self taught drummer. Ringo was my original inspiration as a drummer. And I not only wanted to play drums like Ringo, I wanted to have hair like Ringo. Wanted to have a nose like Ringo. Did pretty good there. Uh, I I wanted to wear rings like Ringo. I'd go to Rose's Five and Dime when I was a little kid in Hartsville, South Carolina. And I would, I would buy all these little Five and Dime rings. And I'd have them all over my fingers like Ringo. I cut out cardboard. R-I-N-G-O. I wrapped the cardboard with, in those days, Tin foil, that'll date you, and I put it up on my bedroom wall, sideways, going down the whole wall, Ringo. I love the Beatles. I, I idolized the Beatles. I wanted to be like them, especially Ringo, but if I could have been any one of them, It consumed me. Now, 1986, all four Beatles traveled to northern India and studied under Guru Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. One of the Beatles, George, ended up diving totally headfirst into Hinduism. He would later write a song based on his hymn. Do beliefs. My sweet Lord. If you know the song, you'll find near the end of the song, him chanting Krishna, Krishna, Hari, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. You know what? It's a catchy tune. And he's a beetle. And I like the tune. But while I like the tune, I have to realize the belief It's a belief in a foreign God, not the God of the Bible. 1971, John Lennon wrote a song. He was inspired by it because he wanted to do everything he could to bring in world peace. It's called Imagine. And if you know the lyrics, you know John Lennon's belief based on the song. Imagine, there's no heaven. Imagine there's no hell. Imagine there's no religion. What's my point in all this? If I had continued to idolize the Beatles, I would not only have wanted to become like them in terms of being a star, but I'd very easily adopt their beliefs. And no matter how good the song sounds, and I I love the tune Imagine, I love love the, the sound of it, the feel of it, When I hear the words, I go, John, come on, man. Here's what I put. I believe there's nothing wrong with appreciating, even enjoying the creativeness of people that God has gifted, people that are able to play things, write things, sing things, paint things, do things that perhaps we would love to be able to do ourselves. I put in my notes, I still enjoy some of the Beatles songs. A few years ago for my birthday, my wife gave me all the Beatles movies. It's only two good ones, Help and A Hard Day's Night, but yeah. But I put for my own self, but there are lines that I must be careful not to cross in appreciating talent, enjoying music, etc. If it leads me away from purity, holiness... It should not be a part of my life. If it proclaims anything unbiblical or false, I must recognize and reject it. For example, I put for me, I love the song Imagine in terms of its musical appeal and even John Lennon's sincere desire to promote peace in the world. But I reject the belief system it declares. After I became a Christian, every time I'd hear the song, Imagine, I'd pray for John Lennon. Every time I'd hear the song, My Sweet Lord, I'd pray for George Harrison. How do you keep people, things, from becoming idols? When you score the touchdown, give the glory to God. When you write the song, the song that becomes a hit, make sure it glorifies God and then give glory to God for the song. When you become successful in business... make sure you give the glory to God because it's He that gives you the ability to produce well. When you have a successful ministry, make sure you give glory to God. Proverbs 27, 21 says this, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. Very interesting. John chapter 12, verse 43 tells us that some people would not publicly acknowledge Jesus and really believe in him because it says they love praise from men more than praise from God. I'm almost done, but go with me quickly to John's gospel, chapter 10. John chapter 10, fascinating passage here. And it can be confusing, and I hope it's not after we look at it just very briefly, but John chapter 10, verse 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone Jesus, but he said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, "I'm God's son?" What is he talking about here? Well, he's quoting from Psalm 82. I said, God speaking, "You are gods, little g. You're all sons of the Most High." Now, Jehovah's Witnesses, this is one of their verses. They will try to prove that Jesus is God with a little g. Can't be. Not at all. How do I know that? Next verse. Next part of the verse, or verse 7, verses 6 and 7. But you will die like mere mortals. Who? The gods with the little g. You'll fall like every other ruler. The psalm is a warning and a rebuke to humans who have been exalted in life, whether becoming a ruler or whatever. You become important, you become someone people look up to. But you're just a man, you're just a woman, you're just human, and you're going to die. Like everybody else, you're immortal. And Jesus' point is, he's human, but he's the most unique human because he is God come in the flesh. That's why the Magi worshiped the child there in the Bethlehem manger. That's why Jesus receives worship. And he's the only one, father, son, and Holy Spirit. Here's what happens to all the idols in the end. Isaiah tells us the arrogance of man will be brought low, the pride of men humbled, the Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols will totally disappear. Captain James Cook discovered the Hawaiian Islands. He was greeted there in the Hawaiian Islands with great ceremony as the islanders thought he was their god, Lono. Cook took advantage of the situation until one evening, as he was with yet another woman of the island, her husband clubbed him in the back of the head. Story goes that Cook groaned and fell to the ground, knocked out coal. When he came to, the same husband that knocked him out said to him, gods don't groan. And gods don't bleed. And then he proceeded to kill him. John says it pretty plainly. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And I have one more thought. Why is this so important? And is God really selfish when he says, you will have no other gods before me? And that's what some people misunderstand about the character of God. Why is it not a suggestion? Why is it a command? You shall have no other gods before me. Why is it so important to keep idols from our lives? Well, it's such a challenge to do, and it is so important for a couple of reasons. Idolatry ruins the purpose of... For which God made us. Thank you, Louis. We were created to worship. And if we don't worship God, we will worship something or someone. And sometimes we'll try to do both. 2 Kings 17. Why is it so important to make God number one and to keep Him? Number one. Because anything else ultimately leads me to being unfulfilled. One more verse I want you to look at. Ephesians chapter 3. This is so good. Ephesians chapter 3. It's a prayer and a statement. Verse 16, Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And of course, that's the cross. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure, to the brim, if you will, of all the fullness of God. Colossians 2 verse 9 tells us that the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form in Jesus. And the closer we get to Jesus... And the more Jesus becomes the center of our lives. John was told as he fell down to worship at the feet of the angel there in the book of Revelation. Worship Jesus because Jesus, he is the spirit of prophecy. Everything's about him. Salvation is through him. Our access to the Father is by him. Listen. Keeping ourselves from idols means finding what we were made to be, finding the fullness that God intends. He doesn't want us to be unfulfilled. He wants us to be fulfilled. And the only way to find fulfillment in life is to worship him. The way to the Father is through Jesus. The fullness of the Holy Spirit by focusing on Jesus. Surrendering daily to Jesus. God wants to fill our lives. And you know what? (laughs) It doesn't matter what the situation is in the world. I think it's fascinating that Jesus, when he came, never owned anything had to borrow the donkey on what we call the triumphal entry there into Jerusalem just prior to the cross. He was always eating at somebody else's house. And yet he was the most fulfilled human being in life. That's what God wants for us, to fill us with life that only he can provide.
0: We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join us in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener who's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. We're reminded in these New Testament books that God came to earth as a man, just like us, and suffered in ways that we might be suffering currently but He came to redeem each one of us, and that gives hope beyond what's happening in front of you. Thanks for praying. With that, we've come to the end of our time today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued teaching through this series called New Testament Highlights. We hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.